The book of Matthew calls the reader to follow Jesus as his disciple and then tells us what that means and how to do it. Today, we are going to just extract, take a look at one verse. And I know in your minds you think, well, if, that, if that's true, we should be out of here in seven minutes. <laughs> Stick around. <laughs> uh, today, what we, we will come to what has been called, uh, for various reasons, various legendary reasons, uh, it, what is called the, the golden rule. Would you all say the golden rule? That would be a good clue if you were doing a PowerPoint to bring up the gold. There it is. The golden rule. Say it again. The golden rule. The golden rule what, that, what that means that this has be, become recognized as a, as a rule or an axiom of human conduct that is considered to be most valuable. Like gold, it is valued, it is valued across cultures, across, uh, doesn't matter, country, culture, politic, uh, history. Gold is something that as far as the, in human nature is just universally valued. Like gold, it's, it's called the golden rule, and there's other good reasons for it. Gold uh, it, it won't rust and it won't decay. It's the least tarnishable, one of the most valuable. If you, if you took, if, you, if, if, if a chest of gold or gold jewelry items or whatever was you know, sunk into the bottom of the sea and was exposed to the harshness of the, the depth of the ocean's salt and pressure, for, uh, for, for 200 years, you could pull the gold out and it would be as pristine as the day it was minted. It's just valuable in that way. It stands the test of time. It's always, it's always valuable. Somebody say it's always valuable. And uh, it, what's interesting also about gold is it's not only a value, but it's, it's, it's malleable. If you, can, you can shape and form. You can hammer gold into the thinnest of layers. You can stretch it out like a thread. It can become all kinds of jewelry. It's, it can be applied. It can fit anywhere. It's always valuable, and it can be applied anywhere. The golden rule. Somebody say the golden rule. Gold, like gold, this rule is the, it's, it's the, it's always right, and it will always promote value, and to practice this rule is to give honor, is to show value to others. When you give it, you are giving gold. And here it is. Oh, I'm so tempted to just wax Henri here, but I, so here I go. You know, there's a lot of uh, preaching and a lot of stuff that happens, is particularly in North America and Nigeria and other places, where uh, what comes out, what what comes across is the the big marquee, the the, the sermons and the the messages that make the marquees. You know, like uh, you know, uh, they're always about destiny, and that's good. We believe in destiny. How many are glad for destiny? They're always about you know overcoming and becoming your best you and victory and your you know it's kind of like we love sermons about how awesome we are and how awesome God wants to make us the bulk of the bible is really really about how God how much God wants you to just 
act awesome. Do awesomey things. Whether or not anybody is paying attention. Yes, awesomey. Thank you very much. <laughs> here's one that doesn't make the marquee. Here's one that doesn't that here's one that you will rarely find as the central text on a flyer, a banner, uh, a big poster somewhere. Here it is. Are you ready? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So in everything, good job. Everybody say it with me. I wonder, is, so we're looking for the, the, the small print here. We're looking for the escape hatch. We're looking for the loophole. In everything, do to others what they did to you. Uh, many of you have read your Bibles that way. <laughs> do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is much more than a bumper sticker or a refrigerator magnet. This is not just a slogan. This is the chief ethic of Christianity. This is the pinnacle practice of any follower of Jesus. This is one of the most powerful expressions of Christ. It'll change any room. It'll turn any circumstance around for good. It will overcome evil every time. It isn't just being nice. It is a preemptive strike of goodness. The golden rule is aggressive grace. Disciples of Jesus practice aggressive grace. You want to say aggressive grace? Aggressive grace. Let, that, let that get in there. Aggressive grace. When Jesus said this in verse 12, he wasn't necessarily saying something that was unconsidered as a principle before. He was really uh, validating an existing principle. Jesus' audience, first century Judaism, his audience listening to him and others that would have even been uh, the, the first audience even of Matthew's works here, they were familiar with a principle in this passage that was similar. And it's important that I say similar, and I'll, I'll explain that in a minute. But it, they were important with this idea. They were familiar with it. The rabbis for years had taught something like this. What is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. This is the whole Torah. The rest is explanation. Confucius had taught, on the other side of the world, Confucius had taught, what 
you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. So those are just samples, and there are more. They're, they're in, basically this, if you were going to study, if you were going to study the history of human ethics, you would find something like this in, a, in, all, in nearly every ethical uh, 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 a chart or any ethical system, I should say. Every ethical system has carries this idea in it, some, it somewhere. If y'all don't want it done to you, don't do it to the other. Now, that's found in the Houston uh, system. <laughs> Buried in there. How did it get to be 1017? Did you take off all this time? It was me? We're okay. Now, there's a temptation when we hear, oh, wait a minute, something Jesus said was, someone might have uttered something that sounded like it before him, or maybe it was said elsewhere, oh, man, if Confucius says it, well, then we just better jump off the boat, maybe. Maybe, does that make what Jesus said less important? Well, he didn't say it first. Wait, wait. But the idea is, well, if not, you'll, you'll, <laughs> you see, you'll get this in a lot of... Um, somewhat liberal-leaning uh, uh, studies or scholarly pieces of material. In other words, again, from the 1800s on, there was a mad rush to discredit Jesus. And much of the material that we have written now is still carried from the same, if you loved Freud, then you would love the theology of the 1800s, okay? Uh, much of this, this atheistic, carnal, perverted stuff is still carried forward, and there's this mad rush to discredit Jesus. <laughs> well, time out. There's, we can approach this two ways. The fact that it's a common principle, does it make what Jesus said less important? No. It makes it more important in the same measure that the living Christ is without measure superior to every dead observer of truth. Every, any dead buddy, any dead person could observe truth, but the living Christ, who is superior to every voice, has validated it. Jesus is the author and the standard of truth, and he has validated this principle for us. It actually, it should, that kind of makes us say amen, but it also becomes something of an indictment. It shows that the conscience of humanity knows that this is true. It know, they know, Jesus says, what you, know, that, what you say, Jesus is essentially saying here in verse 12, what, what you say about how you should act, that's actually true. That thing that seems like common sense that you have heard, of, heard about, that's true. Everyone understands in principle that if they would hate to experience something, they should not inflict that thing on another person. Everyone understands that what is hurtful or harmful to experience, they would not like that themselves. And yet, people violate this every day. It is the most universal of ethics, and it is the most epidemic crime. People treat others the way they would not want to be treated. And here's what, so, so not only does Jesus referring to it validate it, 
the fact that he locates it. Where does he locate this general ethics, this general human ethics? He locates it in the law and the prophets. He actually says, this thing actually sums up the law and the prophets. So what Jesus is saying is, if we recognize that everybody knows this true, and we also recognize that it's universally broken, Jesus has just indicted humanity. Paul says in Romans chapter 2, what do you mean, Dav? I mean that because Jesus locates the golden rule as a part of the law of God, it means when people violate the, the golden rule, they stand in violation of the law of God. Romans chapter 2, and says, For when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do things required by the law, when they, when they recognize, hey, it's probably not right to do something that I would not like to have done to me. They are a law for themselves, even though they don't have the written law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciences also bearing witness. They know it's true. You don't have to open the Bible to know what, that this golden rule is true. But because, again, this thing is Jesus has located this in the law of God, and we recognize that everybody has broken this universal ethic, that we recognize that all humanity is guilty of sin. James chapter 2, verse 10 says it this way, Whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. You're thinking, this isn't a very Merry Christmas. I didn't expect this application from the golden rule. Yeah, but the fact that Jesus recognizes this as a universal principle and locates it in the law of God, we recognize that everybody has broken it. It means that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You may not be an axe murderer, but you have fallen short of the glory of God. You may be a relatively nice person, but you have fallen short of the glory of God. That's the bad news. The good news is, for unto us has been, has been born a Savior, and his name is Christ the Lord. You shall name him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We've all sinned, but we have a Savior. Merry Christmas. But Jesus doesn't just validate this principle and locate it in the Scripture. He's Jesus. He doesn't just validate it. He escalates it. He's been doing this all throughout the Sermon on the Mount. We've heard him say, you've heard it said this, but I say. He doesn't use that formula here, but he does it anyway. Because, up, because before Jesus, nobody... <laughs> Ain't nobody do me like Jesus. Before Jesus, before Jesus, nobody said it this way. Again, the common ethical principle was if you, whatever you don't want, don't do that. Up until Jesus, it's been phrased in the negative. If you would hate it, don't do it. Jesus doesn't word it that way. He's the first one. doesn't word it that way. Jesus did not just recapitulate an existing idea. He escalated it. Jesus radicalized it. 
He did not just prohibit doing what you would not want done. He did. He did prohibit. If, if you don't want it done, he said don't do that by, by endorsing it. But he didn't just endorse that. He increased it. He didn't just only do that. See, if Jesus would have left the principle in the negative, don't do what you would not want done, that falls short of love. If we were to leave it in the negative, don't do what you wouldn't want done, you could merely avoid people. You could just avoid people. You could just not do things. I'm clear, practicing the golden rule, I'm just not doing things. I don't want to be killed, so I won't kill anyone. Gig me, I'm golden. That falls short of love. Because love is not defined by what you don't do. Love is defined by what you choose to do without cause, without, uh, without an antecedent, without something that causes or makes you. It's you choose to do because of love. Love is something that you do because of love itself. Jesus alone presents the golden rule in the positive. Jesus alone says, hey, what you wish, how you would like others to treat you, you treat them that way. Now that, friends, that you, you, you've got to open your heart. You've got, this, this requires immediately. You can't just walk through life hardened and calloused and avoiding people and obey the words of Jesus. You have got to open your heart with empathy. You have to have empathy real love. You have to begin to feel for other people. You have to begin to think ahead. You've got to begin to take initiative. Jesus' words call upon us to be intentional and honorable and loving and to engage people on purpose. We don't act because we act before. That's really different. Every, ev- look, everybody acts because. We have little nieces in our house this holiday season, and the, the most typical human uh, excuse for behavior is they did it first. <laughs> and we say, oh, kids, aren't they cute? They, they say silly things like that. Yeah, kids. Human behavior will act because Jesus' disciples act before. We don't respond. We initiate. We cause. We do not treat people in response to how they treat us. We treat people the way we know they should be treated the way we would want to be. We treat people the way, because we're following Jesus, remember, so we know that as I'm following Jesus, I treat people the way I know they should be treated. I'm imitating Jesus. What I desire, if I'm saying, hey, look, I, want, I should treat people the way I want to be treated, well, as a follower of Jesus, what I desire should be pleasing to God. 
What I desire should be pleasing to God, so I'm going to initiate and treat other people in a way that is pleasing to God. And I'm going to do it first. Somebody say, I'm going to do it first. Regardless of how they may or may not have treated me. You've got to let that go. Yeah, but they, Jesus doesn't give us permission for the yeah, but. We are deliberate. We are intentional. This is what we mean when we say we practice aggressive grace. We have grace ready. We are locked and loaded with grace, and we are aggressive about it. We are aggressive about it. We don't wait for someone to be gracious to us. We're gracious first. We think ahead. We think ahead about kindness. We think ahead about respect. We think ahead about generosity. We treat people the way we we have to engage. You actually are going to have to engage your heart if you're going to obey Jesus. (laughs) We practice the grace of aggressive grace. This is not about entitlement. Let's just make sure we all get it. This is not the way you treat others. You should expect that they will treat you back. This is not about karma. This is not about you feeling entitled. This is not about resentment or retaliation. This is about love. This is about aggressive grace. And that is what it means to follow Jesus. Disciples of Jesus are governed by the gold standard. Aggressive grace. This standard is valuable to everyone always. This standard can be applied and molded to fit anywhere at any time. At a holiday table. At a, at, at with when, when you have in-laws coming and you're worried that there's going to be an okay corral, something happen. <laughs> you practice aggressive grace. You can practice aggressive grace while you're holiday shopping. I didn't just say practice aggression. I said aggressive grace. This standard communicates value to other people. It's always right. It should be applied always. Friends, think of the golden world we would live in if this command governed our lives. If we lived by aggressive, intentional, active grace, we would... First of all, think of how you would think of how you would always think about you, you would assume the best of others. You would see their actions or hear their words, and instead of assuming the worst of their motives, being suspect of motives and intentions, you would assume the best. Why? Because that's what you would want. You would hope you would hope that someone would assume the best. And they don't understand, or when maybe something didn't come out right, instead of assuming the worst and you know, reaching for a revolver or a hammer or a and I mean with your words or your actions, assume the best. If we live by if we were governed by this rule, imagine how we would talk about others. I mean, do you want would you want Others to talk about you the way you have given yourself freedom to talk about them. 
And that's just a negative one. That's just a prohibition. The positive is talk about other people on purpose the way you'd hope or want them to talk about you. Just go crazy. Be aggressive with positive gossip. Be kind. Be generous. Be fair. Do more than is expected. Refresh people. Serve them. Go out of your way. That's why you could actually just take this and say, oh, I see, this is what Jesus means. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12 is the fulfillment that began in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. When Jesus said, don't think that I've come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. And here it is. Whatever you want, however you want others to treat you, treat them. For this is the law and the prophets. Think of the world that we would live in if we practiced aggressive grace. You might say, and I, I think to myself, what a wonderful world it would be. Let's stand together. minutes over but just as soon as you're ready make maybe just sing that amazing love amazing grace yeah. how sweet the sound This is how he is toward us. God, the scripture says that God does not treat us as our sins deserve. But that he took the initiative. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you do not know whether or not your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. The Bible says that when you turn it, when you repent from your sin and you trust in Christ. The Bible says that your name is written down in a, in a book. It's a bit of a, it's a mystical thing, but in other words, there's a record of your confession of Christ. The Bible says that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. This is the step that God has taken toward you regardless of your steps toward Him. Our salvation is not an act of our own. It is a response to God's actions. If you do not know whether or not your name is in that book. He's called your name. It's about you answering. Have you answered his call? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you surrendered to him? 
have not, today is your day. Respond to Christ's initiative. Trust in Christ as your Savior. And all of us in this room, let me challenge you deeply. Let me say this to you. Now take the grace of God that is yours in Christ, the grace that you've celebrated in prayer and praise and communion, and go practice aggressive grace. If you believe that, would you say amen? The Lord bless you. Be kind. Be gracious aggressively with one another as you go today.